Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. If you've never been before, I'm Pastor Ed. This is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches these last days. And I sure hope that you came today to learn something about God today rather than just be entertained. Because I am not an entertainer, and the Bible is, is not a book that we read like we go to a movie. It's not a book like when we watch a TV show. It's not a book like we go to the, to the merry-go-round or the Ferris wheel. We're not looking at the Bible to be entertained. We shouldn't be looking at the Bible to be entertained. We're supposed to be looking at the Bible to see what's, what are God's ways and how do I follow God's ways more? How do I come to know God? That's why we read or we're supposed to read God's Word. And so that's what I'm teaching the Bible for so we can know God's Word better and know what God wants from us better. That's the most important thing. What does God want from us? Well, anyway, let's, we always start with a word of prayer. We always ask God to bless our message because certainly I can't do that as a human being. I'm only just a man. So if you guys would join me with a word of prayer, please, and we'll ask the Lord to help us understand his word. Father, we, we come to you, Lord, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. And we thank you, Lord God, for a, a beautiful new day. As Lord God, they're all beautiful new days, Lord God. But, th- but this is the day, Lord God, which, which millions upon millions upon, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and, Lord, say hundreds of millions of people, Lord, all over the world, Lord, we take, and we take this day, this morning of this day, or this evening, or this afternoon of this day, or maybe morning and after, or evening, Lord, as some churches do, Lord, and we set aside, and we do nothing but we honor you, or we teach your word, and we seek your face, Lord, in, in a corporate type setting, Lord God. Not just individually, Lord God, but we come together, Lord, in a corporate way, and and we praise you with song, and we learn your word, Lord, and we seek your face, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for this special day, Lord God. For they're all special, but this one especially is special, Lord, because we honor you as a corporate way. In you. So, Lord, we just praise you and ask you to help us understand your word today, help us understand what you're trying to say to us today, Lord God, and then uh, not only help us understand, Lord God, but help us to, again, Help us to receive what you have to say to us today, Lord God. And whatever you speak to us, help us to receive it, Lord God. And, and Lord, if there's something that we hear, Lord God, that we need to change about, Lord God, that, we need, that we're in need of some repentance, Lord God, I pray that you'd help us come to repentance and help us to, to know the truth and to live the truth and to believe the truth and practice the truth. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So today, uh, as I've already kind of been talking about, we're going to have a special sermon today. The title of our sermon today are Things Are Not Always What They Seem. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. We're going to be in verses 1 through 6. And I'll give you a moment to open your Bibles and get there before I read. Um, Not sure how this one's going to go. This is a special message God's laid on my heart. Again, Acts chapter 28 for all you guys online. I don't know if you're there yet. We were in Acts about 12. We're going to be moving on to 13, but it's got to move ahead quite a few pages there. Acts chapter 28. Now, usually our MO is to go verse by verse and book by book through the Bible as I teach. But under certain divine circumstances and special circumstances, that will change from time to time as it is today. Normally, it's Christmas or Resurrection Day, or but only very special days. But today is a very special day. For this week, we have a very special message. I'll call it the outside-the-box message. God's been birthing this sermon in my heart for a few weeks now, and the knowledge of this message is really overdue to all my faithful supporters and my critics, as I have been burdened with the knowledge of this information of the message for some time. Sadly, though, as God has burdened me with the information of this message, I've not been obedient 
to God to actually get it out there and go through it all. And but this week, uh, you know, when God wants you to do something, and I'm, I'm very close with the Lord, you you can't but not do something. It's it just a matter of time before God wins, and He gets to say through you what He wants to say. Uh, through you. So today that all changes and it changes with this message, hopefully in a life changing and a mind altering way. Again, the title of that message are things are not always what they seem. If we're going to, we're going to go ahead and read uh, Acts 28, one through six, if you want to follow along with me. And I'm going to give you the backdrop though, before I read it. So here we are in Acts chapter 28. We're going to be there in probably a couple months in our regular sermon, but here we are Acts chapter 28 and Paul's headed to Rome. Paul's headed to Rome, and, and he's, uh, he's on a journey. And God said, you know, when he first got saved, uh, and he told the guy, hey, go, go show him all the things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And so here we are. We have Paul, and he's on a ship. We find him, in this pa- or we find him just off the ship in this passage where he'd been traveling from, from Jerusalem going to Rome. And what he was going to do is he had asked to stand before the Caesar. He had been judged guilty by the Jews as a, an apostate, as a man against the faith. And so he wanted to uh, go before Caesar because he, he, he was an unrighteously condemned man. People had condemned him as an, as an unrighteous betrayer of the Jewish faith. And Paul wasn't. He was a Christian now, loved Jesus Christ. But the Jews were angry with him. And so anyway, so here we find him. They just, got, they just got saved from a huge shipwreck, and they just got to shore. And now we open up in Acts 28, verses 1 through 6, where we read this. Now, when they had escaped, remember I told you they just escaped the sea. They had just escaped a shipwreck. Uh, they then found out that the island was called Malta. This is an island that they were kind of had, you know, they had run ashore. They had run aground just off the coast of Malta, and they they, they floated they floated or swam or floated on boards to to, to see uh, you know onto shore. Verse two, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled the fire and made us all welcome, because of the rain that was falling and because it was cold. So obviously the, the setting was not only were the the sea was tumultuous and it was a storm and the boat was torn up and that's why they had to run aground. But it was also, this would have been maybe November, December, January time. It was cold and it wasn't just cold, it was rainy. And so here he, we read here, Paul says that because of all these things, the, the natives were like, hey, come on on, come on down. We're going to, you know, we love you. We, we care about you. We're going to try to welcome you in and, and we're going to kindle a fire and make you all home and try to get you warm and everything. Uh, but verse three, but... When Paul had gathered a, a bundle of sticks, and, and doesn't that just show you the humility of Paul? I don't want to break off the, the topic too, too strong, but Paul was like the head of like, he was like the, the main apostle that went to all these churches and dozens and hundreds of churches. And yet, what do we find him do? We, we find him gathering the bundle of sticks instead of letting the natives just serve him. We find him gathering the bundle of sticks. Jesus said, those would be greatest among you would be those that would be the servants. And so here we find that Paul doing that. So Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. And when he did, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And in simple English terms, that means that Paul got bit. And being a viper, this was a poisonous snake, of course. This wasn't just a little garter snake. That you know, This is a poisonous snake, and so poisonous, verse 4. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, so this wasn't even a quick bite. This viper came out and stuck on his hand and stuck there, and it, and it wasn't moving. It was, it was just stuck. A viper came out because of the heat and fast his hand, right? When the, when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, they used their common sense, they used their plain sight, which is what is a good thing to do. No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, 
yet justice does not allow to live. Uh, so them, using their human logic or, or looking at this situation with Paul in their human sight, which is usually a very wise thing to do, uh, we call that common sense. And a lot of Christians throw that out the window when they do get saved. Uh, but that's what they use. They use common sense, right? Their human sight, common sense told them one seeming obvious thing. This man had done something wrong. This man was some kind of murderer. This man was evil, and karma is what the people of the world call it, or Paul, Galatians 6, 7, reap what you sow, is what Christians call it. Karma, or reap what you sow, had caught up with him. He had done something wrong, and after all, the evil caught up with him. I remember years ago uh, when I had just gotten saved and I, I had, was thinking a certain way about the Bible and I did something that I'm not proud of now and I, and, I, and I broke the law and I wasn't real happy of it. But then it wasn't until years later when God took that thing away that I had gained in an ungodly way and he took it away from me. And it was taken from me like I had taken it in an ungodly way. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, see? The way you took that is the way I took it back from you. It's just what happens. We just know it's just it's logic, right? Reap what you sow. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Karma. If you do something wrong, you do something evil, uh, you're gonna it's going to come back on you. Vice versa. If you do something good, if you're loving toward people, love is going to come back with you. As I've been describing you guys with my circumstance on my one job this week, as I knew people some years back and. Because of the love that I shared with them, that love is coming back on me. And so here, these people saw Paul. They got, he got bit. Evil's coming for him. He must have done evil. Uh, and, oh, and if any of us were there, we would have thought the same thing. And don't feel so bad if you know that I'm right. Especially when you see someone that's, that you see in a terrible, evil situation. Your mind automatically goes... Boy, what did that guy do to tip God off, man? Wow, that guy must have made God really angry because after, look look what's going on. Uh, and, and don't feel so bad because the people of the Bible did the same thing. Uh, remember, uh, Jesus Christ and his disciples, John chapter 9. Remember, they're walking along and what do they see? They see a man born blind. And the disciples, with that common sense, reap what you sow on the evil side, they said to him, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Because after all, he had to be blind because him or his parents did something wrong. Because after all, nobody's just born blind because that's just something good that comes from God. And of course, Jesus replies and he said, neither, (laughs) neither. For this has happened because of the glory of God. So things there weren't what they seemed. But you see the people there in the Bible, they looked upon others and they went, that guy did something wrong. His parents did something wrong. His kids are paying for it. That, that's just what we think. Job. We all know the story of Job. What happened to Job. And, uh, but yet Job 1.8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on all the earth. A blameless and upright man. One who fears God and shuns evil. I, I should hope and pray that every one of us would have this desire to hear God say those words of us. He is an upright man, one who fears me. Uh, Fear of the Lord is lacking today in our church, in our world. So that's God's testimony of Job. Yet, 
here by Job 4, God had allowed Satan to come and just about have his way with him, almost 100% with Job. And he's covered from head to toe with these horrible, painful scabs that fill up and then were exploding in a vicious cycle. And so Job is in intense pain. Plus, he had lost almost all his goods and livestock. And God even allowed Satan to take away all his children. And it was by, it was by Satan allowing evil things to happen that came and killed them. So it wasn't even good ways in, w- in which he lost them. So he, he's lost everything, and, and he has these friends. We'll, we'll call them friends. The Bible says that they're friends, but really I don't really see them as friends. They come to him, and as they're looking at his situation right away, they didn't say anything, but Job speaks up, and he kind of gives his woes, and despite God's words about him, and these friends come, and they look at his situation, and despite what, you know, God's words about him in the beginning, which they didn't know for them, to, you know, for, to be fair to them, one of them starts in, just the first one, and he uses his human common sense, a normally good thing to judge him, uh, uh, right? And, he, and he, yet he, jo- he judges Job as a rank and evil sinner, Job 4, 7 and 8. Remember now, he tells Job, whoever perished being innocent. Job, you blew it, dude. You did something evil, and yet now look what's happening to you. Remember Whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright ever cut off? <laughs> when does this stuff ever happen to the righteous person? Yet you look at you, verse 8, even as I have seen those who, here, here it is, reap what you sow, karma, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Now there, despite God's words of Job being a righteous, upright man, these people come and they look at Job's situation and they go, Wow, dude, you have blown it. You are a terrible, evil person because that's why all this is coming upon you. This is the most common thing people think when they see terrible things and, and unfortunate and, and, and bad situations come upon others and even themselves. And just being honest, maybe 99% of the time, you or me, we'd be spot on. We would be 100% spot on. When we see someone in a bad situation, see someone struggling, we think, man, that's got to be God's judgment, and that's, he's reap what he's sown. But is it always? Is it always? Are things always what they seem? Not so. Look at Paul. Back to Acts 28. Were the islanders right in their judgment of Paul? Uh, were, they, were things what they seemed with Paul? Was he a rank and evil, murderous sinner who had committed some kind of evil, heinous crime that karma or reap what you sow had caught up with him about? Was he that way? Look at verses 5 and 6. But he shook off the creature into the fire, and he suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or that he'd suddenly fall down dead. But after they had Looked for a long time. That means that they looked in the normal time that they've seen. I'm sure they had seen people gotten bitten by vipers before. And they looked for the time, the amount of time that the normal person that gets bit by a viper, they get bit by a viper and all of a sudden no, no treatment and they die. And they looked for a long time, it says, and saw no harm come to him. Then it says, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Wow. With Paul, things were not what they seemed to be. He was, an, he, he was not an evil rank sinner de- deserving of evil or uh, some kind of evil, horrible things to happen back to him. He was an innocent man. Yet, 
because of certain God-divine situation that God brought along in a circumstance and the sin nature of creation, he had the unfortunate event of being bit by a deadly snake, but God protected him by doing a miracle, by not allowing the deadly venom of that snake to hurt him. Now, they were not right in thinking that he was a God, but notice, this is important, Notice that after they saw the miracle, they noticed that they had to correct their human way of thinking. They noticed because of what happened to them, and yet nothing happened to them, they, they, they had to change their minds to the physical, to the supernatural. And they had to have faith. That's what it caused them to do. They stopped looking at Paul with their human sight, and said they, they started to look at Paul by faith. Uh, Paul had been bitten but it did him no harm. So then they knew that it was not the normal 99% situation where things are, are what they seem, right? When something terrible happens to somebody, they reap what they sow and they get that situation. This was a supernatural situation, right? Just like, the jo- just like Job and just like the blind man. And, and so Paul was not an evil man getting what he deserved. And, and they realized that he was of divinity, or really that he was of the divine, Thing. He wasn't obviously of a divine himself. He wasn't God himself, but he was of the divine, right? And, and really, this was a godly situation that he was involved in. And, and notice again, as I said, the one and only one way that they could tell he wasn't a God-divine situation, that he was of divinity, that it wasn't evil, reap what you sow kind of thing. Did you notice the only one thing, even though I had already kind of alluded to it, I hope you didn't catch it, but maybe you did, it was the miracle, though. That was the only way they knew. The only way they knew that he was not in an evil-to-evil situation was because of the miracle. So their human sight in this situation was wrong, and God proved it to them by doing a miracle. Because you see, sometimes our human sight can be wrong when we judge a situation with someone we're looking at, exactly like Jesus' disciples did with the blind man and Job's friends did with him. Sometimes we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And Christians, by the way, this is the way that God desires us to walk. He desires us to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, uh, for the reason why God showed me what he did in this section in Acts 28 uh, weeks ago, uh, the way he did, and the main reason why God has inspired me to do this whole message uh, going off of our normal MO, the reason is to help you who don't believe in gospel-saving church, that the situation with this church, this rinky-dinky little church that hardly anybody cares about, of which almost 100% of everyone that's ever visited has not come back, to show you who don't believe that this church is from God, and to tell you that we cannot judge this work of God by our human sight because things with this work are not always what they seem especially in our case. And then with God's work with Gospel Saving Church, we must use our faith sight because I promise you things are not what they seem to be. Why and how can I say these things? Because just like those islanders that noticed that Paul had gotten bit and thought evil was catching up with him because he had done some evil, reap what he sowed, Things were not always, things were not what they seemed to be. Same in our situation, and I hope that you'll see that after the entirety of this message. Although we have had so many snakes bite us, 
And I, we as a family, have been dumped on, cut off, and blackballed by our last church and those who said they loved me there but betrayed me. And have been so spoken of so terribly and thought of so terribly, God has been faithful to show me and do for me so many miracles, just like he did with Paul, to show me that we are in the center of our lives and his will and gospel-saving church. And of course, in that last statement I just made, God has shown me and done for me so many miracles to show me this work is really of him. This is a, this is a great thing, but this is where God has shown me that I have failed. I have not always been as adamant to share the knowledge and reality of the many miracles that God has done to me and with me with all of you. And so for this, I must humbly ask for you all to forgive me for holding back on the knowledge of these information, all this information. Why, why do I have to apologize? I have to apologize because God has shown me that because I have neglected and boasting of all the miracles that God's done with me, this has allowed doubt to creep into your hearts and minds and it's no wonder why some of you have trouble believing that Gospel Saving Church is really from Jesus Christ. So please forgive me, and from this point forward, as I will start today, I will do a better job, if God allows us to keep going, to, very, to be very open about the miracles He continues to do to make me, uh, to keep us going down this confusing road that we are on. So, so what now? What do we do now? Where do I go? Well, I'm going to boast of just some of the amazing snake bites that I, we've been snake bitten with, um, but yet not being killed miracles, the ones that equal the one that God Almighty did with Paul here in Acts 28. Because as promised by Jesus Christ to all those that follow him, John 14, 12 to 14, most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And God Almighty and Jesus Christ through me have both healed the sick, caused storms to abate by a commanding, even hurricanes. And I even ask God Almighty and Jesus Christ for signs and wonders and have received them, just as Jesus Christ said there, these things have happened to me. Would God continue to do the signs, wonders, and miracles for a person that he does not want on the current path that they're on? That's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. Would signs and wonders and miracles happen to people that are not on God's path, that are not in the center of God's will? My favorite analogy of late, if you were God Nathan, or God Len, or God Shauna, or God Justin, or Bruce, or David, or Jordan, and your kid was asking you if they were on the right path, if you were their God, wanting to know and seeking a sign to tell them whether they should be where they are or not, and if they really are in the center of your wheel, or, or if they're in disobedience to your voice, and again, you as God, would you give them amazingly wonderful supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles to, as, as, as wonderful signs that would say, keep going, or would you allow things to happen to them like the prodigal son in Luke, which was the father did nothing to help the, the son. He still loved the son, and the son knew that because he knew he could go back, but did God the father do anything to help the prodigal son in Luke? We read about it in the Bible. Did we read about anything happening to him? No. There wasn't one time that we read the Father intervened for the Son 
and did anything supernatural or good or any kind of miracle for the son at all. The son just suffered and he wallowed in his mess until he came to his own senses. So, so logically, if I were God, Ed, and, and, and that were my kid, you know, not in the center of my will, I would do nothing but give negative signs or no signs at all so that they would get the picture to stop what they're doing and, and then go another route. Hey, knock it off. Stop. Go on this path, my son. That's what, that would be my message. And so if my son was in complete disobedience to me, and I was God, I would make his life like a pressure cooker of no approval. That's what I would do. Never giving a sign of approval until out of sheer pressure of a convicted conscience, they had to go on the path that I wanted them to go on. Did the prodigal son get dad's or God's approval to his decision to run off and do his own thing? No. Didn't get one sign of an approval. Not even one. Well, as you will hear in what I'm going to do next, I have poured out my heart unto, gospel, unto God Almighty and Jesus Christ many times, asking them to give me a sign for Gospel Saving Church, me as a pastor, our current church path, asking for some kind of sign, either good or bad. I was open to a shut me down or let's keep going uh, so that I could know whether we were where God wanted us to be or not. And here, as we're about to see and hear, are the results of my seeking God with all my heart in tears and brokenness. God, where do you want me to be? What do you want for us? So here's what I want you guys to do. You already know we've been snake bit. Every one of you knows. Now you have to be the judge. With all the snake bites, are you going to see miracles or not? You be the judge today as whether God has spoken good or bad concerning gospel saving church, me as a pastor in our current path. I want you to be the judge. Hello, everybody. It's Pastor Ed from Gospel Saving Church. And thank you guys for listening in and taking your time out every week, especially for those of my faithful followers that are listening to Gospel Saving Church on a weekly basis. I praise God for you and for your encouragement for me. The Lord recently has laid this on my heart to, to put this out there, and it's something that's very special to me. And if you're a follower or you love Gospel Saving Church and you like listening to my messages, I hope it'll be a real blessing to you too. And it's how God gave us our name, Gospel Saving Church. It'd probably be the last way that you'd ever think that God would give us our name. And yet, if you look at the verse there that I put on the overview, you'll and you look it up, or you look, read the verse, you'll, you'll figure it out before you listen. But just listen along. It, it only is a bit under 15 or 20 seconds. It's just a very short clip of my very first recorded sermon ever. And the name of the sermon was called Response. And we were a brand new church, and we were still kind of working out the kinks. I recorded the sermon on 10, 14 of 12, or October 14th of 2012. And uh, I just hope you're blown away and you're blessed by how God gave Gospel Saving Church its name. Up until this point, we had had our first service, and this is our second service, and we had no idea what we were going to call ourselves. I had been praying about a unique name, that God would give me a very unique name, that, a name that nobody else had, uh, one to stand out and to, to, be, you know, to do good Google searches and that people you know, would be able to find us easily. And God answered my, my prayers in a way that I never ever, ever expected. And it came by a disruption right in the beginning of the service. Now, if you go back and listen to this sermon response, 
back in you know my very first recorded one on SoundCloud here, uh, and you go through all my sermons, you go to the very first one, you will not hear this clip in that original sermon. We wanted to kind of keep it as professional as we could, but as time's gone on, and like I said, God just recently laid this on my heart, I wanted to share this very special moment with all of my faithful followers and anybody that loves Gospel Saving Church and it listens to me all the time. Or if you're thinking about coming or you're just going to start listening to me. So, God bless you and I hope this blesses you as much as it blessed me. God bless you and have a wonderful day. And here's the clip. So here we are, week two of Brand New Church. I don't even know what our name is yet, but here we are. I know. The Gospel Saving Church. All right. Right now, we'll call it the Gospel Saving Church. We don't know what we're going to call ourselves, but there we go. Very weeks, A week or so after we put that sermon online, or we, not the sermon, we got the actual website up, gospelsavingchurch.com. Number one, it was available. Number two, the very day that we put it up, the very day or the day after we put it up, we were number one on a Google search with zero content of writing. All I had had was just, a, by the time we got it, you know, bought in and I, I only had maybe a couple sermons that were actually uh, online that people could listen to. And, and from our very, now, now how, you may be thinking that's, that's not really that big of a deal, but um, two days or a week or two after we, a couple days, it wasn't only a couple days, after we got the website name, we were number, number one on uh, Google, uh, you, if you if you typed in Gospel Saving Church, we came up number one. Uh, from our very own homegrown website developer, we, we read this. He gave me a quote on how rare that is. Being a seasoned website developer, programmer for, for, uh, for well over 15 plus years, it has been my experience that nobody gets on the first page. We were the first search. Not on, even on the first page. We were number one. Uh, nobody gets... First, on the Google page, or on the first page on Google search engine listing for free. To achieve a first page Google ranking generally costs upwards of thousands of dollars per month and most aggressive and must be aggressively pursued without a hint of being relaxed. Uh, so to see a brand new website instantly achieve number one page, just number one, just on the first page on Google, right out of the gate, I'd consider it no less than a miracle. And to consistently sustain uh, that position day by day, month by month, year by near, year by year is what I would label beyond a miracle indeed. And the normal cause of business is simply doesn't just happen. But maybe he's biased. After all, he does come to church here. Maybe he's got a little bias going on. So, so let's get a little more non-biased opinion of just how hard it is to obtain not only the first page, but number one on Google search, which is what God spoke through the mouth of my son, who was only eight at the time, day one or day two after I got it. Listen to what Forbes says. Forbes. Have you heard of Forbes? Uh, it's like Google. It's like McDonald's. It's like Bur- Forbes is like the number one financial magazine in the world. If you want something you want to really know about financial stuff, you go to Forbes. Listen to what Forbes, a global media finance magazine company, so worldwide renowned for finance, says how hard it is to get number one on Google. 
in an article, January 30th, 2017, so within this year, how to rank number one on Google, Forbes, that was their title on the article. Every business and website owner dreams, dreams, kind of like how I was doing when I was praying, dreams of ranking number one on Google. The reasons are clear. Reaching that top spot or even one of the top three spots would mean increased traffic to your site, visibility and the potential for sales to catapult your business ahead of the competition. Unfortunately, high rankings rarely happen by chance. Even the most skilled and knowledgeable marketers struggle with getting the top ranking spot. So how can a regular business owner hope to achieve this feat while there's no way to absolutely guarantee high rankings? This post will look at some of those strategies anyone can use to seriously increase their chances of claiming that number one spot. Unfortunately, high rankings never happen by chance. Rarely happen by chance. The article does go on to say in one part that if you use some obscure words, picklejar3596.com, if you Google, you know, where to buy a website like that, some obscure, that it'd be easy to grab the top spot, but nobody does this because obscure titles, although they get number one, they don't sell things because nobody searches obscure titles. So no sales from obscurity, right? Uh, I had actually done uh, some research into that with one of my sons, and we actually did search some obscure things, and only even a couple of the obscure things actually uh, were not on there and that were kind of on the top. But some, most, most obscure things you search, nobody searches because nobody wants those things. Because nobody wants to search for picklebarrel3219.com. Nobody, nobody searches that, so nobody wants to buy that. Uh, but here's the deal. Do the words to you, be a judge here, please. Do the words gospel, church, or saving sound obscure to you in Christianity? Are those obscure? No. Gospel and saving and church are three of the top words used in Christendom since Jesus Christ ascended to heaven. They are not obscure at all, yet here we are and have been with those three super popular words in Christianity Number one on Google since day one on the internet. And that name came to me by another praying, me and another that were praying and asking God and seeking God through, and it came, that answer of prayer came through, through an eight-year-old boy that interrupted a message. Now, ladies and gentlemen, how can this not be God? Uh, to this date, even as far as Friday or Saturday were concerned, Friday, I was, just for the heck of it, I typed in the saving gospel. The saving gospel, which is not gospel saving church. It was the saving gospel. And the saving gospel, our church, our rinky dinky, nobody care about church, still made the first page of Google with the saving gospel. How about just saving gospel? 
That's not even gospel-saving church. It's saving gospel. Number one, saving gospel actually produced six of the top of the 13 results on the first page of Google. Now, the saving gospel, saving gospel, gospel saving, same thing, gospel saving, almost every result on the page. And the saving gospel even had other well-known names that were on that front page, like even occult, non-Christian organizations that have, you know, are, they have more content than, you can't even think all the content we have. And most of my content, I was informed just recently, is mostly audio, and Google does not really bing audio, they bing on your content, on your articles. So how, if not be for God, does Gospel Saving Church get the number one and stay the number one for over five years with a family and an an addition or two here and there, how do we reach number one on the Google search if it not be a miracle? It's impossible. There's no way. And I pay zero dollars ever to attain that for us. God just gave it to us because that's how God showed me one of the miracles that he did to keep us going. Now, maybe that miracle was just random. <laughs> maybe maybe we're just, you know, on like, you know, it's just random chance. Maybe just maybe. Right? Just just maybe. Well, that's that's all right cuz if you think that, there's more. I got my next one is my confirmation to be a pastor. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Ed from Gospel Saving Church again. This is video testimonial number 3. God's laid it on my heart, though. We're going to do things a little different this time. We're actually going to rename the series. It's going to be called God is Real Video Testimonials, and they're going to be on our website, gospelsavingchurch.com, and they're going to be all about God's working in my life, doing supernatural, awesome things, the things, the kind of things that He does you know, in me and, and to me and through me all the time. And I just want to share them with you guys. You know, If you're a struggling Christian in your faith, or maybe you're seeking the Lord, maybe you're an atheist. I used to be an atheist. And as I sought the Lord, the Lord revealed himself to me when I really sought the Lord with all my heart. And so maybe you're watching this video, maybe you're finding yourself, hey, you're seeking the Lord, you're wondering, is God real? Well, hey, God is real, and I'm here to tell you that he is. And, and I'm not just here to tell you that he is, I'm here to tell you that he does supernatural things to those who really seek him, he allows supernatural things to happen. He'll show you supernatural things. He'll he makes supernatural like only God can do things in your life as he as he does mine if you really seek him with all your heart. Anyway, uh, we're going to call this God's real or God is real testimony, and this is going to be my uh, confirmation or one of the confirmations that God has given me upon me being a pastor. Now, my last two video testimonials that I gave, they were something that just recently happened within the last couple few months. This one, I'm going to go back a couple years, but it's nevertheless, it's still things God has done in my life, and it's still mind-blowing, and this is the one that God's oppressed, you know, impressed upon my heart to, to share with you guys today, so here we go. So, 
I'm a pastor of a very small house church in McKinney, Texas, and we're not very big. And so as a result of, you know, I preach the truth, I preach the Bible, whatever's in the Bible, I preach it. I don't, I don't, I don't preach to you if you come to Gospel Saving Church and what you want to hear, I preach to you what you need to hear from the Bible. And, and as a result, uh, not a lot of people are, you know, really down with hearing the true Word of God. So anyway, I haven't had, you know, we haven't had, you know, it hasn't gone the way I've wanted it to go. Let's just put it that way. And so throughout the time that I've been pastoring this little small house church, I've kind of questioned, well, God, did I really hear you right? Did I really, you know, when you called me to be a pastor, when you called me to teach your word, did you really, really call me? Or did I, was I just kind of really wanting it just myself? Or, you know, were you really the one, you know, calling me to do it? So I, that's happened to me several times over the past three and a half years. We've been in church now for about three and a half years. And so this one time in particular, now there's more, but this was just probably the most powerful time that God ever reaffirmed to me his calling on my life. So I, me and this other brother are talking. And he had been a brother I used to do some street evangelism with, and we hadn't hung out in a while. And so we were talking to one another, and I said, we called one another up, and I was like, hey, brother, let's go have some dinner. Let's catch up on old times. Let's you know talk about the Lord. Let's have some fellowship. Let's have some dinner. He agreed. He was out of work. He was struggling with some things too, trusting in the Lord. And I said, hey, I'll pay. Come on down, let's let's have some dinner. So we went to Frisco. We met up in Frisco, kind of a neutral spot, Frisco, Texas. And so we we sat down in this one little hamburger place and had some had some hamburgers and had some fries and we talked about the Lord and had some fellowship. Well, as we're talking, he's sharing with me about you know some problems in his life and the fact that he's out of work and he's having trouble trusting in the Lord. And I'm sharing with him the struggles that I'm having, learning how to teach the Bible, you know, learning how to speak in front of others, and really is this God's call in my life? And you know, there's things aren't going the way I want them to go. And we had about a two-hour fellowship. It was awesome. You know, we were ready to go. We prayed. We got up, left the restaurant. As we're leaving. Here's where the God thing comes in. I had been seeking the Lord. God, give me a sign, some type of sign to show me that you still want me doing this or that you really even called me to do this in the first place. So as we leave, we walk out, give him a big hug. We walk away from one another. We get about five, ten steps away from one another. And he goes, hey, brother, Ed, brother, Ed, hold on. Wait a minute. Come on back here. Come here. I got to tell you something. I feel like the Lord just put a word on my heart for you. So I turn around not knowing what in the world it could be. At this point, I'm so, I'm so, the Bible calls it a base. I was so down. I was so kind of distraught and, and disheartened about, you know, things not going the way I wanted them to go. And, and, and I was really kind of ready to just quit or I didn't know what, you know, I just was just like, I had had enough and I was so down. And so he, and even after the dinner we, we had, I was still, you know, well, Lord, you didn't really speak to me and you haven't given me a sign yet. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I haven't been called to do what you called, what I think I'm doing right now for you. And he, anyway, this brother turns around and he says, brother, I got a word for you. So we come on back together and he says this. He goes, I feel like the Lord's putting on my putting on my heart a song for you. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, he goes it, it goes a little something like this. Here's the chorus. His, his love never fails, it never gives up, and it never runs out on me. And so I said, and, and he said, and he repeated again, his, his love never fails, and it's a really good Christian song now. His love never fails, it never runs out, and never gives up on me. My mouth hit the floor. Oh, I mean, figuratively speaking. And I said, brother, I said, did you listen to my last week's sermon? 
this was probably like a Tuesday or Thursday that we had gotten together. And so Sunday, you know, three, four or five days from the time I had had my service. And he said, no, brother, I'm sorry. I've been busy. I, I really want to listen to some of your sermons, but I, I did not. I said, well, do you know what God just did? And he said, what, brother, what? Tell me. I said, did you realize? You didn't, of course, because you didn't listen to the sermon. Just last Sunday, I taught my sermon, and I was talking about God's incredible love for human beings, for, for mankind. And I referenced that very song in my sermon. The, his love never fails, it never gives up, and it never runs out on me. And, I, and it was a, a huge part, it was a, it, was a, it was a part of my sermon that I was just trying to sh you know, share with people how incredible God's love is. I said, and you just confirmed that to me. You just told me something. There's no way you could have known. You didn't want. You didn't listen to the sermon. Are you sure? No, brother. I'm sorry. I wouldn't lie to you, but I, I feel bad. But I, really, I said yes. I said I just taught on that. I was asking God for a sign. Show me that you still want me doing what you, what I'm doing. And here it comes out of your mouth. You had no idea what you just said, and you just through, got through your mouth just confirmed to me again. This is what He still wants me to do. Anyway, there's no earthly way to explain how this brother of mine who I hadn't spoken with in a while he hadn't listened to the sermon how he could have possibly referenced this song out of nowhere we were leaving and said this is something that I feel like the Lord wants to tell you well why would God wanted to tell me that unless that was exactly something that I had just taught on because he knew and of course I knew but my other brother did not know it was something between God and me, and I knew that was a sign that I was wondering if God was going to either tell me to quit or to keep pushing forward, and God gave me the sign to keep pushing forward. Now, I used to be an atheist. I didn't believe in God, yet God showed me when I started to seek the Lord, God gave me some awesome, awesome signs and wonders and miracles that he allowed to happen in my life that showed me that he was real. Now, if you're out there and you're struggling with faith, you're wondering if God is real, how do you explain this? I know you can think of a thousand things, but there's no way. I have a word from the Lord for you. This was a God thing. And this is just one of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that God's done in my life in the last 17 years just to show me He's real, show me He's present with me, show me He's still with me, shows me that I'm still on the right path, or sometimes He shows me that I've veered and I need to get back, you know, right. So, anyway, if you're struggling, Jesus said, Seek and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Ask, and you shall receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Maybe that was just a coincidence. Maybe that was just a coincidence. Well, we have another. Hey guys and gals, welcome back. It's Pastor Ed from Gospel Saving Church. Got another awesome God is Real video testimonial for you. And uh, was just thinking the other day, about this testimonial. I had actually forgotten about it. Uh, I'm just going to jump right in. I'm not going to give you any history or anything until the very end. I might give a snippet or something, but this is just something that's been weighing on my heart for the last day or even in all today, really, after I found this this one item. And I'm just going to get right in. You see, I'm a pastor of a, of a very small house church in McKinney, Texas. And the Lord called me to do it. And I know it did, and I know God's real because there's no way things could happen like they happened to me, and especially in this instance I'm going to share with you today. 
So over the past about four years, because that's about as long as we've been a church, about four years, I've really struggled with God's call on my life to, one, be a pastor, and number two, have a little church out of my home um, in McKinney, Texas. It's uh, I teach the truth right from the Bible. If that's what you want to hear, uh, praise God, if you're a real Christian, that's what you should want to hear. And this is where you want to come, but not a lot of people want to hear that. So I've struggled with my call from God. I've struggled with having the house church. And in times over the last four years, I've hit some really, really, really dark times personally, spiritually speaking. Really doubting God's call, you know, doubting my, my the, the church, everything. Just, just full of doubt. And in the darkest of times, I've cried out to God, seeking direction. Lord, which way do you want me to go? You know, where do you want, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to keep going? Do you want me to quit? You know, Lord, you tell me, you tell me, what do you want me to do? And I'll just do it and show me, give me a sign, give me something, show me, you know, what I'm supposed to do. So this one particular time, it was a very dark time spiritually for me. I I was really struggling with, with all of this and I was really saddened and I was really down and I was really depressed. And I'll be honest with you, I was about to quit. I had believed God had called me. If you already watched one of my earlier uh, God is Real video testimonials where I talked about how a brother of mine and the Lord gave me some, gave me a word from the Lord that really just, I was like blown out of my mind. It was just like crazy. Like how could he have said those words? And he had quoted a song that I had preached a sermon a week before and it was another time where I was struggling and, and I was praying for a sign and boom, there, there came. And I was like blown away. This time, I was at one of my jobs, and I was working, and I was so depressed, and I was so down, and I was just so out, and I was frustrated, and I was angry, and things weren't going the way I thought that they were supposed to go. Now, that's the problem. I had expectations, and God wasn't meeting my expectations. Instead, he's got his own plans for me, and I have to accept those. But nevertheless, I was really down, really struggling, really depressed, and I had been crying out to God. For a while, God, please give me some kind of sign. Give me some kind of miracle. Show me, speak to me, do something. Give me something. Well, just yesterday, I was looking for something to fix something around my homestead. And I was looking for this thing and I was praying, God, please show me this thing. And and instead of me finding the thing, God, God didn't answer my prayer in that regards. He answered something, a prayer that I didn't know that I even needed, but something that was for this time. He let me find this. And if you could see it, it's a it's a small wooden cross. And it has the name Jerusalem written across it. And if you look on the back, it's kind of very like, uh, I don't know if you could see it in the video, but it's very kind of, it's very glossy. It's like a, it's like a high, it's like a, it's like a semi-gloss, high gloss finish. And it's, it's a beautiful workmanship cross. I don't know if it was done by hand. It's got a little hole in the side for like a little necklace. If you wanted to put it on your necklace, I'll show you right there. Um, and this may not mean, well, this doesn't mean anything to you just yet, but it's going to mean something to you. And it and it meant something tremendously to me when I saw it. Literally when I saw it, these feelings of, oh my goodness, Lord. <laughs> wow. Because I was just at that time, just had gotten over another time of, you know, hey, Lord, this is what you called me to do. I believe that you called me to do this. I'm going to keep going. Um, and praise God, you know, here I go, keep, I'm gonna keep going, keep doing what you call me to do. Then I find this little cross, little wooden cross with Jerusalem written on it. 
Go back about a year, year and a half, I had been devastated. Every Christian friend that I knew uh, in any way, really uh, all but one, excuse me, all but one, had turned their backs on me. They had all, they just said, you know what, you know, we're, we're in so many words without even saying words, many of them had backed out on me and stopped being my friends and do no, nothing I did on my own. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't betray anybody. I didn't say anything evil to anybody. Just, it was a, just, a, just a hard time for me. And so all of my Christian friends had, had kind of, kind of bailed on me. And so I was really struggling. As I said, I was in a dark time and I was crying out to God, God, how could this be your path? Show me how this could be your path. Please, God, show me. And out of nowhere, I'm at work. I'm at one of my jobs. And I'm really struggling. And then I was a cashier at the time. And at that particular day, they, they called me out from being a cashier. And they put me on the floor to do some stock work. And it wasn't really what I liked to do at the time. So I was kind of really, that made things even worse. But lo and behold, it's part of the testimony. It's part of something that God did that day that I could never have duplicated in a, a, a million years. And it's going to help you see, if you're an agnostic, if you're an atheist, struggling to believe God's real, it's going to help you also know that God is real, because check out what happened. Um, I'm on, you know, around the middle of the store, and, and I'm putting away some stuff and some stock, and I'm, you know, just crying out to God, God, help me, please help me, show me a sign, show me, God, please help me. And I'm just praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and, praying, and, praying. and I look up, in the middle of nowhere, and what do I see walking toward me? Down way down the aisle, it's an old customer of mine, and he's an older gentleman, very older gentleman, probably in his seventies or eighties. Not no disrespect, I'm only forty-two, so to me, in seventies and eighties, that's that's a bit older, you know. So he's a really older gentleman, and he was one of my really good customers as a cashier. But I wasn't cashiering this day; I was on the floor. Well, he walks up to me and he starts talking to me. Hey, Ed, you know, it's good to see you. And he's a, he loves Jesus Christ with all his heart. He's a man of God, a great man of God. And he's, as he's talking to me, he makes it evidently clear that he came for a reason. This wasn't just like he was shopping at the store I was working at just because he just had nothing else to do. He came to this store this day for this particular reason. And what this reason was, he had no idea what was going on in my life, yet he wanted to give me this cross, this cross that says Jerusalem. And I, I received this cross and I said, wow, you know, thank you so much. It's a, you know, that's a real blessing to me. And, and, uh, you know, I, thank you. You know, I don't, you know, that's, that's awesome. And he goes, well, th there's more. And I said, well, what do you mean there's more? And he said, well, that's not just any cross. He goes, that was the cross that belonged to my mother. And she gave me that cross right before she died. And she had been to Israel. And that cross meant a lot to her. And she was a prayer warrior. And that and she gave me that cross right before she died. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're giving me a cross that your mother had passed down to you and her, on her when she died, and you're giving it to me. I'm a cashier at a, at a local hardware store, and you're giving me a cross. A cross. This is not just a cross that he went and spent a dollar ninety nine at on at, at at a Walmart. He got this cross from his mother right before she died. I was so blown away. I was so blown away. This man, he, he sought me out this day. He, he didn't just pop in. 
He found me. He had to give me this cross. On this particular day, when I was crying out to God, God, give me some sign to show me I'm still on your path. And this cross meant a lot to him. It was a memory of his mother. Yet he told me he felt like God told him to give it to me. Now, if that doesn't tell you that God is real, if that doesn't tell you that God is awesome, and those who seek God shall find God, then nothing will. I don't know what that means to you. But to me, I'm asking for a sign. God, show me the way. And I was really having to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow after Jesus Christ daily at that time in a major way. I was so wanting to quit doing the ministry that God had called me to. Yet, here this guy comes, and he gives me a cross. A simple cross. Yet a cross that meant... I, I would never give anything to anybody that some that my dead mother or father had given me because they loved me and they gave it to me right before they died. I would That would be so precious to me. I would never want to give that to anybody. Unless, of course, God told me to do it. And of course, when you get a divine intervention, you have to do what God says if you are... If you're a real believer, if you're a real follower of Christ, and this man is and was, or I don't know, I haven't seen him in a while. In fact, this is the last time I've seen him. And so God is real. And I sought the Lord and God revealed himself to me. And he told me, my son, keep going. I have a plan. You don't understand it. I know that you don't understand it. And I know it's not going the way you want, but keep going the way I told you to go. And here, and I'm going to show you that I want you to keep going. I'm going to have my other child come in and give you that. This man can never replace this in his life. This man can never replace this cross that his mother gave him as a memory of his mother, whom he loved, who died in the Lord. He can never replace this cross that he gave me. But he gave it to me. A cash, a part-time cashier at a local hardware store. Well, why would possess a man to do that if God was not real? And God knew that I was seeking him for a sign, for help to keep going in what God had called me to do. What else would cause him to do that if God wasn't real? I used to be an atheist. I sought the Lord with all my heart. Just to know if God was real. If you're an atheist, if you're an agnostic, if you're a doubting saved Christian, but you're doubting and you're just maybe going to fall back, watch this video. Talk to God. Seek God. Ask God, God, please show me you're real. Just like that guy, Ed, your child, Ed, did. I watched that video on YouTube or on Gospel Saving Church website. Seek him. Because if you do, God will reveal himself to you. God bless you. Jesus Christ loves you, and he wants to save you. Hey, guys and gals. It's Pastor Ed from Gospel Saving Church again. Welcome back. God bless you. I'm so glad you stopped by. Anyway, here I go again. I'm back with another God is Real video testimonial. And, you know, the Lord I told me sometime back, about a month or two ago, he said, Hey, Ed, you know, I do all these awesome things, these crazy God things in your life, and I don't want them to just stay with you and your family and your church. I want them to go out to the whole world, and I want to make you an example of how I still work, like I still work the same way I did in the Bible. So I got another God is real 
testimonial for you today. So here it is. So uh, about a couple months back, uh, I had gotten a email from my hosting service on my Gospel Saving Church website, and they were saying that there had been some problems. And I was like, wow, okay, I don't really know what to do with that. You know, I'm not a website developer. I'm, you know, I know very little about websites. I can click on them just like you, unless you know how to work on websites. And I can click on them and I can use them and I can browse them, but I have no idea about what they call the back end of a website. It's very, it escapes me. I, you know, I don't, I don't know much about it. I, I run the Gospel Saving Church website just, you know, barely, uh, do a little bit to it, but not much. Um, but anyway, I got this email and it said, hey, you know, danger, watch out. There's, you know, there's been some problems. And I said, oh boy, what's going on? And so as I just led it to the Lord, uh, I'm always kind of seeking the Lord, making sure I'm on the right path. You know, God, do you still want me doing this? Do you still want me doing that? Or if you don't want me doing this, stop me. You know, if you want me doing this, keep me going. And so, you know, we're a small house church in McKinney, Texas. And Gospel Saving Church, as you already know, you're either visiting us and you, you've heard me before. And anyway, we have a small membership and it's just a small house church. And I'm always just wondering, God, is this really the path that you want me on? Well, as right about the time I get this email, right around that time, I got a call, phone call from a brother of mine who had uh, decided to part ways with me a couple years back. And around this time, I get this call and this brother and he's talking to me and he says, hey, can we talk again? And, you know, I'd like to talk to you. And so God was working some reconciliation in his heart. And it just so happened, wink, wink, uh, about the same time as my website was having problems. Well, it turns out that the problems that it was having would have eventually caused it to crash. I didn't, I didn't have it updated because I didn't know what I was doing and, and everything. And so it was, it was just God's timing that he was showing me, Hey, my son, I still want you to keep doing what you're doing. I still want you to keep preaching. I still want you to keep gospel saving church running. And you know, I'm going to prove to you that I want you to keep going by, I'm going to bring my other son back to you and he's going to just show up right on time because had this other brother and the Lord not come back and not because he knows how to build websites, had he not come back, the church website would have crashed, which would have been a huge sign from God to me that he would have been saying, hey, my son, I want you to go another path. So, you know, you can continue to say if you're, you know, been watching me for a little while and you're a skeptic or you're an atheist or you're an agnostic and you can continue to say, you know, all these things are just coincidences. But how many, as God was showing me on this same, you know, on this same thing he was showing me, how many coincidences in the same, you know, category of your life need to happen before you realize I'm real? Hey, I've got it, and I'm in control of your life, because if you're a Christian, God's in control of your life. God is sovereign in your life and takes care of you and leads you and guides you, and if you're, you know, you should have a moldable heart if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, to say, hey, Lord, uh, you know, lead me and guide me, and if you don't want me to do something, then tell me to stop, and then you should stop. But if you love, and if you love the Lord, and he says, you know, hey, do you want me still doing this, and he tells you to, hey, keep going, then you need to keep going too. Being obedient, about, being obedient to the Lord is all what it's about being someone that loves Jesus Christ. And anyway, here's another God thing, another God is real testimony. God made this other brother come back perfect timing in order to save Gospel Saving Church website and confirm to me yet again that although things aren't going my way for this little house church that we have, they're going God's way. Hey, welcome back everybody. It's Pastor Ed from Gospel Saving Church again. Welcome back. Glad to see you could join me again. Hey, sometime back, God told me, hey, 
my son Ed, I want you to start recording all the different things that I do for you. Because you know what? Normally, I do all these awesome things in your life and you just let them go or you just tell your family or a couple friends or whatever, but you don't. I want to reveal myself to the world and I want people to know that the same things that happened in the Bible happen in your life right now, 2017, February. So here we go. God did something else that was absolutely amazing and he did it last week. It's a it's about the 6th of February right now. And uh, we just had our Sunday message yesterday and I just taught my Sunday message yesterday and it was titled The Church. Anyway, in this message, uh, it was about uh, proclaiming the truth of the fact that early Christians actually went to organized and structured Christian church. Believe it or not. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 and verse 46 states that after a whole bunch of Jewish people got saved, about 3,000, that the disciples, the apostles, started basically discipling them. Started uh, teaching the apostles doctrine and praying with them and eating together and, and you know, fellowshipping together. And they were doing all these awesome things. And down to verse 46, it says that they were doing them in the temple. Well, they didn't have any makeshift churches back then, so the temple was a makeshift church. They didn't have any individual standing churches, I should say. So the temple was the church of their day. That's where they went, and that's where they held Christian church. Well, there's a lot of people today that refute this idea that Christians have to go to church or that God wants Christians to go to church. Well, I'm here to tell you that in this sermon... I, I detail out, I chronicle out these awesome things that we find in the Bible that God does really want Christians to go to church and not just gathering together with some friends. So anyway, uh, this God is real testimonial goes a little bit like this. Monday afternoon, usually I do my, what I call my overview. And I work one afternoon on my overview and I always overview last week's message. And then Tuesday morning, I start my sermon for the new week. And I have no idea. All I have is a set of scripture. I teach verse by verse. So as I teach verse by verse, I know the verses I'm going to be in, but I haven't really looked ahead at them for teaching for church wise. I've, I've, you know, I've read the Bible over many times, but I've never, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm in new scripture that I've never taught before. So as I was teaching this section of scripture in Acts chapter two, I got to the end, almost to the end of day two. So my first day officially recorded of the, you know, doing the sermon. And I see this amazing thing in verses 42 and verse 46 about the church, a literal structured church with rules and, and, and leaders and a place. And just like we have today. And so I got this vision for the sermon, for the message. And I thought, wow, God, that's an awesome message. And I wasn't even thinking about the people that don't agree with the church. I was just thinking about, wow, what an awesome message it'd be just to, you know, wow, I never saw the church here in Acts chapter two, actually a functioning literal church, like day one or two or three of literal Christianity being born with the disciples on the day of Pentecost. So I was blown away. Well, here's the God is real testimonial. Tuesday night comes and a brother in the church had sent me an email and the email said something like, Hey, Pastor Ed, I want you to, you know, get your opinion on this video, watch it all the way through and then give me your thoughts on it. So I said, ah, that's cool. So I opened it up and to my just, my head was just blown. My mouth was open. The title of the video was the early Christians didn't go to church 
Why should you? I kid you not. Again, now this multiple, multiple, multiple times I've come on here. This is about my seventh or eighth or ninth God is real testimonial video. And how many coincidences do you think it takes to make something a firm, sure, real thing? Well, God just did it again. He, he just confirmed the message, that same vision that I got that same day about the early church really having church, literal church, like structured church, like what we see in America and across the world. Not the bad ones, not the false teachers, not the God, you know preachers in three-piece suits that are all about the money, but I'm talking about good, godly churches, like gospel-saving church, where I don't care about your money, I just care about your salvation and your eternal life. And Basically, he just God just confirmed to me that that was the true vision that he had given me for the message. I talked to the brother sometime later and I said, brother, did you read ahead? Because my skeptic brain's always still working. I said, brother, did you read ahead that, you know, the next set of verses and you knew that, you know, you wanted to see where I stood on this whole church thing and you just wanted to test me on it? And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, how did you, why did you send me that video? And he said, well, I was debating a guy online and I was like, really? And the guy was in another state and the guy who professed to be a Christian didn't believe that Christians had to go to church. And so he sent my brother and the Lord this video and he sent it to me and he wanted me to take a look at it to see what I thought. When I looked at it, my head was blown. He didn't even know what happened. I told him, brother, did you know this is my, this is my vision for the whole this was my vision for the whole sermon. And he said, wow, no, I didn't. God did it again. Holy camoly. Anyway, it's not a coincidence. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you shall receive. I seek the Lord. I want to know if Gospel Saving Church is supposed to be a church. I want to know what God wants me to do on a weekly basis for sermons. And you know what? God just proved it to me over again. He just proved it to me. He wants me to be where I am, doing what I'm doing, teaching what I'm teaching. And God just confirmed it to me again. God is real, guys. Seek him and you'll find him if you seek him with all your heart. God bless you. Signing off. How could it all just be coincidence? How could all those things just be coincidence? Those are just a few. Those are just a few. SoundCloud, not obtained until about a year after opening up the church. Our stats as of this day, almost 20,000 plays, over 1,100 downloads, and 888 followers. 98 to 99% of all the churches on SoundCloud have 15 to 25 to 100 to 120 followers. And these are churches with memberships in the hundreds. Yet our SoundCloud membership stands at 888 with almost 20,000 plays. And we are a tiny group of people in a house church in McKinney. Now, what if we were to say all of those are old all of those things, man, those things are in the past. How do we know today that God is still calling us, that God is still saying, keep going? Well, just listen to what's happened to me just over the past two months. And this most recent one, 
not many people know of. So uh, I'm going to bless all of you guys. It's an amazing miracle. This happened October 4th, 2017. Now it's only November 5th. That was just over a month ago. And uh, what I do is, is I've been keeping a journal of all of this stuff and more that I've been keeping for a long time, just that I've been writing about all these miracles. And I've only video, I've only video blogged just some of them just because time constraints, my family, God's other work that he has me to do. I don't get the chance to do a video testimony on all of them. So, but I haven't done a video testimonial on this one yet. So this is going to be the first time that this is recorded. It's called Broken Things. Hence why I told you that the sermon or the beginning of our worship music today, they would have those videos in it that would be pertaining to today's message. Here they are. So I was having an absolutely terrible week because of a cloud of doubt that I had allowed to descend upon me. This is what I wrote in my journal. Up until this time, for about the last five years, I have believed with all my heart that God has called me to start a church. It is a house church by the name of Gospel Saving Church. How all of this even came about was because I was railroaded almost as bad as Joseph, uh, Jacob's son, was with his ten brothers when they sold him as a slave uh, to Ishmael at Traders into Egypt thousands of years ago. And we started the church with seven people, not including myself, most, mostly my family, along with a couple of others. And in five years, we have not grown in a physical congregation other than an online congregation. Praise God for that. But in fact, we lost one who died and the other, and the other one to other reasons. And at the time of this essay, we're down to four people, not including myself, and now mostly my family except for one other. So obviously, off and on over this time period, up until now, I have had some serious doubt about whether or not I am actually called to do this work for God. And for some good reason, as no growth usually in America means a dead church. But off and on, I would pray and seek God's face desperately to find out if Gospel Saving Church was still God's will, as I did not think that it was, off and on. And off and on, he, he, had done, he has done more miracles, signs, and wonders to keep me and us going than I've ever seen in my walk with Christ for almost 18 years, and this just blows me away. I have documented most of these things along the way. Uh, this is just another one. I titled it, Broken Things. Today, God did another one. I was seeking his face today at my Lowe's job where I worked at the time, and I remembered praying, what have I done wrong? Because I must have done something wrong. For ever since I was sold up the river, ministry-wise, pretty much only despair and destruction have filled the picture, and of which I had I had just had another breaking point as one very promising newcomer had seemingly joined the church, yet had completely and utterly abased me and bashed me, calling me names, uh, speaking evil of my character, insulting me horribly. Uh, and, and one of the person's attacks was to basically call me a joke as a pastor because I only had one person coming to the church outside of my family members. And so she left the church, leaving a 20% decrease in the amount of population in our church. And although God spoke to me about her words, telling me that he would only speak to me in love and conviction, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And condemnation and evil is what she was lashing out at me with. I had still had the full assurance of a failure as a minister. And this was just another sure sign that God had never called me to be a pastor. Of course, this is the state of mind when I was writing this essay. And the veil of despair came over my house, my heart, and I could not shake receiving this instead of shaking it off, believing all the miracles, or, or not believing all the miracles in not one event. And all that said, I, I was at work praying and seeking God's face on this issue, and 
praying things like, what have I done so wrong to only have destruction in ministry pretty much since 2011? I must have screwed up so bad, I must not be worthy to serve you, God. With a backdrop of a couple days previously, I was seeking God's face on this issue, went to my Bible, audio Bible on my phone, and just randomly picked a book to listen to with my eyes closed. And when I finally looked up at the screen, just before I was going to basically play the pick I was picking, but not looking until this moment, it was the book of Job, which is the book that God had given me since 2011 to talk to me about my situation as I was struggling and suffering with what was going on in my life. Well, we all know what happened to Job and how God allowed Satan to tear him apart, yet the book opens up with the fact, uh, from God's perspective, that Job was an upright man, one who feared God. And today, as I was pretty broken, I came into the bus barn to drive school bus that day where I worked, and Pandora starts playing songs about walking with God and the pain that God uses to grow us. Number one song, Laura's story, Blessings. And this, and in this song, she points out that God allows terrible and horrible things in Christians' lives as blessings in disguise. And this song was birthed in her because her husband had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. And although God had done a great work of healing in his life, he still had some big problems about the, with the surgeries that God did not heal. And the big question, why would you allow these things, God, similar to me, pain, 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 and rejection, and more pain? Next song, titled Broken Things. And this is where it gets really interesting. Another song, Pandora, titled Broken Things. Right after this, and this song was all about how God uses broken people with those, uh, that those are unlikely tools to use. Good enough coincidences already, I would have to say, because they're not coincidences. They were absolutely God-divine. But that's not all there is to it. Pandora did something that it had never done before in years of me listening to Pandora. The song Broken Things by Matthew West got stuck on Pandora. Pandora does not repeat songs it's against their i think it's against their 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 licensing fee with their other music that they play they they play one song what that does is that gets people interested and then people go and then buy it if they want to hear more it repeated the song broken things five times it wouldn't go to the next song what and there I was, as broken as I had ever been due to many past and current difficult defeats and factors. Is there any way these could be coincidences? But that's not where the story ends. I had planned to go out in the street to do evangelism that night, but not the way that I was broken. So instead, I was just going to tell the brother I was going to go with. I couldn't go. I was so severely depressed, which he did not know that I was going through all of this stuff. So as far as he would have known, we were still hitting the streets for Christ that night. Yet after all that had happened in my heart, I was broken and not going to go. Yet with all this that had happened to me, with those songs that very day, just, just that very day, God had changed my heart but I, it, it, to, to help me to have comfort that I was still on his path, that that wasn't really him speaking through that woman, that those were just the devil attacking me. 
but I was still not ready to go out and preach Jesus Christ to those people. I just can't even believe the next part. So, so I was going to just tell him that I was up for a little dinner and some fellowship, and at that, not for a long time. And, and when I got to his house, I called him to let him know that I wasn't going to go out, which he did again, he had no idea. And to my surprise, another miracle, two, two miracles in one day, God had told him that I was struggling and had told him to bless me with a home-cooked meal. And he actually had to go out that very day, just several hours before this time that I was at his house ready to say, let's just go out to McDonald's or something and have a quick meal. And on that very day, on faith, he had to get the food that very day. How did he know I was going to cancel and just say dinner and some fellowship that night? I didn't tell him. How can that not be another amazing sign from God? He says, God told him that I was broken and going to cancel everything. And then that was only within the last couple hours before I was going to go meet him. And that that was practically when God had started healing me with the songs. This sure would be an amazing fictional book for anybody to write, wouldn't it? Fictional means made up. This would sure be an amazing fictional book from someone's imagination uh, because even as I was writing it and reading it, it happened to me and I was still having a hard time believing that it actually happened to me. And this was just last month at the time of this sermon. It, for me, it was real life. And it was another miracle, God saying, keep going, keep going. How could you read this and not see God's total hand here? And how could you see him not speaking to me and telling me not to listen to the lies the gal had spewed about me and not see God telling me to keep going and not quit in this work for him? Wow. I was again about to quit. And yet, through multiple multiple miracles outside of my control, things happen again of yet another confirmation. Keep going, keep going. Last one. Next, had a young man and his wife visit my house with their two little children last week before this message, and they needed a tire. They were seeking God for a tire and then where God wanted them to live. Out of nowhere, he's an old friend of mine. He asked me a personal message on Facebook to meet up with him, have some fellowship. I agree with my wife, and we go. All the while, they're praying about where to be with their family right now, Oklahoma or Texas. And as he was leaving the fellowship, the Lord moves on my heart because I had seen as he was pulling in that he was driving on a donut. And I asked him, well, where's the spare tire he was riding on at the moment? He tells me that he's going to get paid at some point, and then hopefully he'll be able to buy a tire but God moves on my heart to go and offer to get him one, and he's very thankful. It gives me the rim and the bad normal tire. I take it to the discount tire to see if it could be fixed. They say no. Then I ask them if they have a used one. The man goes in the back, brings one up. He comes out. I ask him how much. He waves me off, takes the old tire in the back, and puts one on the car. I think it's used. He comes out with all the mounted and balanced tire, and I'm asking him how much and thinking it's still used. I didn't realize it at the moment, but it was a brand new Goodyear tire 
and he said something along the lines of, have a good day, no charge. Just tell him if he needs more, he knows where to come. Does God allow amazing confirmational miracles to happen to somebody that's not in his will? The question is no. And I promise you, I could go on and on, really, and we could be here for a few days. I'm not kidding. These were just some of the most powerful miracles that have happened to me over the last three or four years. I'm not kidding. So I'm going to ask one more time. Are things always what they seem? Not with Jesus Christ. Not with God Almighty in their kingdom and the way he works. Abraham, Abraham, he told him he was going to have a son, a promised son, one that he'd have to wait on. And although God knew that that was his will for his life, or although Abraham knew that that was God's will for his life, God made him wait 25 years for that promise to come to fruition at the least appropriate time for it to happen, Abraham being 100 or over. Although Joseph, he allowed Joseph to be sold up the river by his brothers, and God didn't allow him to be reunited with his family for right around 23 years after he had been sold up the river. And all the while, it was for a good purpose, go figure, the survival from the famine that was coming to their world, the great, great famine. Now, I I know that from an outside looking in perspective, without all the miracles to someone who doesn't know of them, the no membership growth inside the church, people come, people go, but nobody stays that have visited. The at one time total abandonment from all those whom I love, the treatment that I've faced by my peers, my mom's sickness and my dad's illness and then his death. This church would absolutely 100% to every human eye of common sense look as if we should stop and should have quit years ago. But to the faith eye, with all the miracles, plus the precious online listeners, many of whom have been listening to my sermons over and over and over faithfully for years, we must be forced to accept Gospel Saving Church as one of God's real and true last days churches, just as I said when I opened up my sermon. And we must continue to be faithful to this work, and we must all start to believe in it seriously until God does the work needed to grow it to something more than what it is today. Uh, So what should we do with GSE? Should we walk by faith or should we walk by sight? We can look at all the snake bites that should have totally killed us. I've been hurt so many times and I've been bitten by snakes so many times, but yet not one of those snake bites has killed us. But then we must recognize the overwhelming majority of the many miracles God has done, the sum I've given today, to not let us die from them. And with all of this information, we must accept that there's no way that we could still be going on and still be a church of God unless God were divinely willing us to be. One time when a brother left the church and he ran the website, I gave up. I went out, took down the sign. I went to my room and I said, God, I'm done. Thank you for giving me that sign. I know that we're not supposed to be a church. I was laying in my bed. I had the most relief I had had in years. God, you finally told me that's it. That's enough. Praise you, Lord. We're done. We're going to find another church. 
God, we're moving on. And that moment of my great excitement, thinking, all right, Lord, you've finally broken it. That's it. We're done. One little voice hit my soul. And this voice said this, did I tell you to stop? Did I tell you to stop? I said, God, I don't know how to run that website. Am I only supposed to teach my family? I'm an island. We're really a, a church that's for the world. We teach people all over the world as my sermons have gone to Israel and Pakistan and Uganda and China and Eritrea and Mexico and hundreds of countries all over the world. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. And I, I, you weren't calling me to teach just to my family. And then I got up off my bed and somehow, some way, God gave me the wisdom to run the website for two years by myself without a website developer to run it for me. Previously, I had had no experience on how to run the website. So I put up the sign. God showed me, taught me as I went how to work the website back in. And we kept going. We must accept there's no way that we'd still be going on as a church of God unless God divinely wanted us to be. We have everything against us, yet here we stand over, just a month over, five years. Please remember, church, God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And from Hebrews eleven six. for without faith it's impossible to please God. What are you going to do? Are you going to change your mind about the work of Gospel Saving Church with all the miracles? Or will you continue to disbelieve and, I believe, disappoint God because of that unbelief? Please join me in walking by faith and belief of what God is doing, just like the islanders who saw the snake bit Paul. To them he was guilty and an offender. Reap what you sow, evil to evil. But the miracle showed them that they were wrong. I hope God's miracles in my life and for Gospel Saving Church have changed your mind about Gospel Saving Church being of God today, just like those islanders with Paul. I love you all. Will you be foolish with me and start believing? 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this message that will be put together at one point. And thank you, Lord, that whenever it's ready, Lord, to be out there and to reach the world and to be a testimony uh, at some point as the time goes on when this does get big, Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that we will have this message to look back upon. And I thank you, Lord God, that even though I don't understand, even though we don't understand, I pray we believe. For Lord, you had every, every opportunity to crush us so far over five years. You've had every opportunity. I've given up four times. You had every opportunity to not inspire me to keep going. And I haven't even wanted to go on. Yet here we are, five years and a month, and we're still going it's like I can't quit, even though I want to. So, Lord, we just I pray that we would stand by faith and that, Lord, that all my followers in this room and even online would be foolish with me and believe that you do put 
to shame the wise things of the world using the foolish. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we praise you, God. Please help us to believe. Force us to believe, Lord God. I hope that you've given us no choice after today. And we ask these things, all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.